Have you ever had a massage or need one? My friend Liz is the owner and operator of Spiritual Massage Healing in Encinitas. She is passionate about what she does and specializes in deep tissue and cupping. Book your massage with Liz to experience spiritual healing and body awareness. She is the best massage therapist you will ever experience. Contact Liz and check out her website with all of her services at spiritualmassagehealing.com or text her at 858-375-6910. That's 858-375-6910 to book your deep tissue massage. That's Liz at spiritualmassagehealing.com. This episode is brought to you by SD Sober Living. If you or someone you know needs a safe and supportive recovery home, then reach out to SD Sober Living at www.sdsoberliving.org or call 619-625-0769. That's 619-625-0769. Come get some San Diego recovery and some fuck fentanyl at SD Sober Living. Welcome to the Fuck Fentanyl Podcast. I am Luis Romero, and I am the Fuck Fentanyl Guy. Today, I have another great guest. This is my friend, my homie, Nate. Um, I've known Nate for a little minute. We um, attend a home group together, and, um, you know, I'm pretty familiar with his story. And, uh, you know, it, it, he, he's definitely lived uh, um, a life, you know, riddled with addiction and particularly with opiates and um i just well um, how you doing nate i'm doing pretty good brother thank you for having me today yeah of course man so man yeah man um just uh like i said before you know, start me off however you want to start it off so. <laughs> all right um sounds good uh i'll do a little bit of stuff about childhood and things on that line. yes um, yes give me all that <laughs> <laughs> well uh i'm from uh, huntington west virginia um, all right uh, it's a small community in West Virginia. We, you know, we're teeny tiny uh, compared to San Diego. Oh, of course, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in that area, we actually have a very prominent drug use, unfortunately. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, mainly due to uh, the back when Opanas and Oxycontin were the, the name of the oh, game. Oh, okay. Um, so we got hit really, really hard with that, uh, mainly because most of the people that work in West Virginia, we work in the mines or we oh, work in steel mills. Yeah, they covered that in that documentary. Yep. The, yep. Was it da- Painkiller or was it the other one? The uh, Dope Sick. Dope Sick. Dope Sick, yeah. yeah, yeah um, you yeah. also you get to hear a little bit about it in the uh, documentary Recovery Boys is oh, another one really? um, where they deal with uh, these guys that they pretty much – uh, they put you on a farm and that's how you get sober is living the farm life. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Well, I, I've kind of had an experience <laughs> like that, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, painkillers and, uh, heroin became really, really big, uh, from the nineties to the early two thousands. Yeah. Oh yeah. It got huge whenever pill mills and things started out. Oh shit. So, um, then we go back to when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, it really wasn't that bad. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I, I got pretty lucky. I got a good family unit. I have mom, dad that are still married to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty six years now. Wow. Yeah, I, I got lucky, and uh, got a brother and a sister. Um, but unfortunately, uh, 
a lot of my stuff started when I was very young. Uh, I dealt with a sexual assault when I was oh, a kid. Okay. Um, two different times. Wow. Um, which eventually led to me kind of realizing, okay, the world isn't all sunshine and daisies really, yeah. really early on. Yeah. Um, and then it led into, uh, you know, I was uh, prescribed before they realized how bad Adderall was for kids. Uh-huh. Uh, they gave me like 154 milligrams a day of Adderall of Adderall. Oh, Jesus. Um, so you're tweaking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> At an early, yeah. early age. Yeah. Jesus. Start up young. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, um, because of the naivety of being a kid, you know, you're 10 years old. You don't realize what these medications are. When I ran out of the uh, time release, the capsules, I decided that I was going to take the five milligram instance Mm -hmm. at the same dosage that you would for the time release. So I took 154 milligrams worth of instant release. Wow. And so 10, 11 years old, that was my first overdose. Shit, dude. Was on Adderall. Holy Um, fuck. So... I went hard, fast, fast, and damn. Uh, so you OD'd, and and then uh, what were they called the ambulance? And they was, uh, well, they it wasn't an OD in the sense that you know it took me out. It was mm-hmm. an OD in the sense that I severely overmedicated myself, like the more of the definition style of OD yeah, rather yeah, 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 than yeah. falling out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um. So they called my mom because they knew something was up because the the quiet kid is now jumping off the wall. <laughs> okay. Can't sit still. For sure. For sure. You're on a sick one. Oh, yeah. And so my mom uh, came to school, and she's an RN, and yeah. uh, realized what had happened almost mm-hmm. immediately because I, like, I just took my medication like a normal did. She's like, you are out of your medication. How did you take your medication? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that uh, led to a long conversation about how drugs can affect the body and how time release works compared mm-hmm. to instant. And my mom sitting me down and talking to me about all this stuff. It's yeah. also when the D.A.R.E. program was just coming oh, around yeah, hardcore. Yeah, I so that. I was I was learning all about, like, all these different drugs and how they can make you feel normal. Uh-huh. And I was also dealing with a lot of bullying at the time, so I was trying okay. trying my hardest to find a place to fit in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that did not judge me, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the groups that I hung out with were the ones that were the, the weird kids. Yeah, okay. The ones that... Um, you know, we're going to smoke plastic and all that kind of stupid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so plastic. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you get a bunch of really weird guys. Yeah. And uh, those were the people that were cool with me. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, those are the guys that also did uh, Lortab, Xanax, were oh. chugging cough syrup, doing acid, things okay. like that. Yeah. So by the time I was like 13, I'd already dabbled in everything that a kid can get a hold of, really. Mm-hmm. So like pills, things like that. Yeah. Um. So... You know, um, I was always trying to get rid of the trauma of my past because yeah. that those two violent sexual assaults that happened to me really screwed my head up really mm-hmm. bad. And then, you know, I got buried alive when I was a kid, too. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck, who did the who fucking did that? <laughs> like, what the fuck? My and I cannot stress this air quote enough. Friends did that. Oh, my. Um, the weirdos fucking plastic. No, the ones before that. The oh. ones I used to hang out with. Um, gotcha. They buried me in a hole. Uh, put a sled on top of it, poured more dirt on top of it, and oh then left me there for fuck. six hours until my dad figured out that I wasn't home. 
God damn, dude. Yeah, so uh, that uh, really framed a lot of things, which is ironic because you'd think I'd be scared of small spaces. I'd be claustrophobic as fuck for the rest of my life. I ended up working in tanks when I was an adult. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, so it it did. We fast forward a little bit, but yes. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's one of those things where, like, you think it would affect you more more hardcore, but that wasn't the one that really bothered me. It was the fact that I felt powerless as it was happening to me. Mm, yeah. Um, so whenever sure. I discovered, you know, painkillers, uh-huh. like at 12, 13 years old, um, did some lore tab with some friends, you know, something big and new and, yeah. you know, tried that and figured out very quickly that I really like the, the kind of relief that that gives me. Yeah. And, um, then mixing it with like, um, codeine, mixing it with, um, Xanax and all these other things that my friends could get a hold of because we were pretty much all of us were highly medicated. So we all had <laughs> something to bring to the table. Like, I'll bring the Adderall if you bring the Xanax yeah, and yeah, you yeah. bring the Lord tabs. Yeah. And it just became this hodgepodge of just like crushing up all these pills together, mixing them together, then doing them all mm. in one go, which really formed later on in life how I ended up doing drugs because I didn't care what you put in me. Yeah. Like it was just, oh, you need a tester? Come here. And I was that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I, some of my friends called me the trash can because you could put anything anything inside me and I wouldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> trash can, yeah, fuck yeah. And uh, that that was a big part of that. It eventually led to um, a big family sit down when all of my family kind of started figuring out, oh, he has a problem. Mm. And uh, my entire mom's side of the family, all my uncles, my grandfather, all served in the military. Okay. So uh, my granddad was a military police officer. Oh fuck yes. <laughs> E9 of the Air Force, Ooh, highest wow. you can get. And, oh, wow. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, and he sat me down along with one of my other uncles, who was also a military police officer. Wow. And then my two other uncles were also there, but they uh, served in mechanic roles in yeah. the Air Force. So they all sat me down. They said, okay, look, you've got a problem. We think the military can fix it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. It's going to fix all of it. Fix all your problems. And uh, so they sat me down with that conversation, and they also mentioned, and I'll never forget this moment, they said, um, it's either you or your brother, your brother's in theater, who do you think is going to make it in the military? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, they weren't weren't bad people. They just, you know, they kind of understood that the more hardcore the two brothers, the one that's been in fights, done all this stupid stuff, Mm -hmm. and also, like, scored a 98 on my ASVAB. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so, like, as soon as they found that out, they're like, you can choose anything you want to do. Just join. Like, yeah, you, you can yeah. choose a safe you could, job. You can join any branch. Yeah, and uh, what did I do? Just to spite the system, um, instead of going Air Force and Navy like the rest of my mm. family, I was like, mm. nope, Army. Army? Yep. Oh, uh, shit, yeah. Yeah, so I went into <laughs> the military at 18 years old as wow. a 45 kilo 92 Foxtrot, a tank turret repairman, small arm specialist. Oh, fuck, yeah, dude. And uh, I still remember the... You, you weren't trying to get no desk job, man. No, <laughs> no. I, I wanted to be close enough to the action that I could say I was there, but far enough away that, you know, you're, you're immediate not. death. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so I guess that's... I call it smart. Some people call it cowardice. I'm, I'm still going to stick with smart because <laughs> uh, I didn't feel like getting killed. Um, Conscious is... <laughs> Objector. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Uh, but it ended up with uh, me joining, and uh, I went through boot camp at Fort Jackson back in 2008. 
Yeah. Um, I graduated in June. I was in boot camp by July. Oh and, shit, yeah. dude. And uh, so I I went hard. I went fast. I yeah. ended up going from Fort Jackson to Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland oh, for no my uh, my AIT, which is your advanced individual training. Uh, it's yeah. where boot camp is where you learn how to be an infantryman. AIT is where you learn your role in the military. Mm. So everybody's an infantryman first. For sure, you, yeah. Then, then you learn your job. Okay. Um, and the 45 kilo designation, which was the the one that I started out with, mm-hmm. uh, that, that designation is one of the top 10 hardest to pass. Um, sure. Medic is harder. Um, it is. Yes, medic is one of the hardest to pass because there's so much information you've got to Learn in a consume short and then be able to regurgitate back to pass the tests. Uh, um, gotcha. And it's the same thing with tank mechanics. Like I didn't work on the engines, I worked on the turrets. Oh, so that's a whole different, uh, a whole other ball game. You're oh, working shit. with uh, guidance systems, you're working with hydraulics, you're oh, working fuck. with ammunition, you're working on uh, specialized equipment, specialized rounds. Oh, shit. Yeah, and it's made in the I uh, no, can't talk about how old it was. Oh, but, no uh, <laughs> but they're older. So some of the equipment is um, one of those things where you kind of look at it like, they still use that? What the? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't yeah, even dude. know that was still around. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, th- there was moments like that in the military. But oh, that's w- so funny. One of the things that a lot of people think is when you join the military that your drug habits don't follow you. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't true. I've been to means. enough recovery meetings. Oh, that. yeah, it's not true. The military is in droves in recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be alcoholism or drug addiction, because <laughs> they've got what they like to call battlefield medicine. Yeah. Uh, and battlefield medicine isn't what it sounds like. It's not just used on a battlefield. It's also used back home. Now, this is an old policy. I don't think they still do this, but okay. it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. The old policy used to be if somebody gets hurt, you fill them with pain medication. You fill them mm-hmm. with antibiotics. You just keep hitting them with it until they sleep everything off, and eventually yeah. they heal. Yeah. And on paper, it sounds great. It yeah. doesn't work that way, though. Yeah. So, um, yeah. While I was in the military, they I got hurt. Um, I was prescribed two Oxy 80s a day, three Roxy 30s a day, um, four lower tab 10s as needed, and morphine 30s as needed, wow. uh, up to two of them a day. And I was given all of that and then told, you know, hey, get better. And that was after a catastrophic knee injury where I had a road spike go through my left kneecap. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, look, nothing heroic. I tripped, fell, landed on that. <laughs> it's the ultimate clumsiness right there. <laughs> and uh, that was in full battle rattle. So, oh, no shit. Yeah, so I had like 150 extra pounds on my body at the time, including vest, rifle, oh, back, God, rucksack, damn. whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I tripped and fell, all that pressure just forced that son of a gun oh, yeah. through my They'll knees so hard. And uh, I partially tore my ACL at the same time. <laughs> so they loaded me up with all these pain medications mm-hmm. and um i signed up under bush but i got out under obama okay and under the obama administration anybody that had anything deemed over 20 percent disability uh with a catastrophic injury like yeah. what i had sustained yeah. uh, was to be medically discharged oh no um, shit. which is cool and not cool at the same time like if that's your goal to stay in then it sucked and yeah. that, that was my goal was to stay in So when I was told that I was getting a medical discharge, I was like, okay, it's game over. Now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I'm on all these pain medications. I'm still, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. How long did you serve? 
Uh, four years. Okay. From 2008 to 2012. Okay. Um, I, I didn't get to do the long haul. Wanted to so bad. Yeah. Um, but when I got hurt, um, I went back home for a couple months uh, during the healing process. Didn't mm. realize that I had not signed all the documentation and smoked pot while I was at home. Then oh. got called back to do the last medical exam. Yeah. For my exit out of the military. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, explaining to a medic, yeah, I, I don't want to take this this piss test. And wow. Like, well, why? I, th- I thought I was out. I thought I was already out. I smoked weed. And as long as you're kind of honest with them and it's nothing hardcore, they don't get on your ass too bad. Oh, okay. Um, so I still received a medical di- discharge, which is just a general discharge. Yeah. No dishonorable. I got very, very... My higher power likes to look out yeah. for me. If you can't tell from the stories, you're <laughs> and uh, with a with that sort of discharge, that means you get to keep your benefits and I, I can if I want them. I to this day will not take them. I have never signed the paperwork to receive the benefits. I will not take the benefits, hmm. and that's more um, a pride thing on mm-hmm. my end, which is probably not great. Sure, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the way I've always looked at it is if I can still work. I can still do all the things that I need to do. Mm. There are guys out there that can use it more than me. Yeah. I'm not going to take from those guys, mm. especially when I got hurt stateside and there's guys that come back without arms, legs, yeah. Um, yeah. hardcore trauma to the head, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Just all these things. So it's one of those uh, points of pride with me that, you know. Yeah, I, you just felt like it's not necessary. It's not necessary for me. I can still work. I still got skills. I'm okay. I got full mobility. I can yeah. jump in jacks now. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, I got a exceedingly lucky and uh, very very blessed that i have a higher power that looked out for me mm-hmm. um but when i got back home uh and i went to go try and fill my prescriptions for all the medications i was still currently taking uh they denied all of them oh shit except for the lower tabs uh mm-hmm. they said you know hey you're done like this is the prescription you've already run out lower tabs are the only one still active because those i weren't popping all the time they weren't that strong so i just uh, you yeah. know just yeah. never really went through all those. I went yeah. through all the rest like they were freaking Tic Tacs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was home, all my friends found out that I was back. And mm-hmm. these are all the people that were, for the last four years, kept doing the same stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was when Oxycontin was slowly changing into Opana. Like, it was when it was doing that change of hands on my side of the States. Oh, okay. Because you stopped being able to find Oxys, but Opanas were everywhere. Oh, okay. Um, and so people were doing that switch. Mm-hmm. And all my friends were like, man, you're still in a lot of pain. I can help you out. And so oh. my friends would just feed me free drugs for a while. Oh, and wow. That lasted for about a month and a half, two months. <laughs> then, then one day it was, nah, man, it's it's, it's 80 bucks. Like, oh. <laughs> okay. Come on. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, dude, help a brother out. <laughs> but uh, at that same time, I had gotten a job working as a certified nursing assistant. Oh, so, okay. So I'd started working in the medical field the same time that I was abusing medication. Awesome. So, you know, real <laughs> shitbag moment there. But right, right. Um, it ended up giving me uh, an in as far as, like, some of the terrible things that I'd end up doing later. Because mm-hmm. uh, eventually the Opanas ran out because all the pill mills got shut down. Yeah. Um, up and down the side of the coast. Yeah. So everybody overnight, it felt like for me, what mm-hmm. went from, I got this, I got this, I got this. I ain't got shit except heroin right now, man. That's shit. all I got left for oh my you. God. And, uh, wow. 
Yeah. So it like it felt like it was just an overnight shift, and for like four days, I because that was the you know we draw these lines in mm-hmm. the sand during mm-hmm. our addiction. Like I'm never gonna do that. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, then I'm a real got a real yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lasted four fucking days, <laughs> and then called my dude. Is like you said, you had how much? And how much <laughs> you got some of that heroin. All right. Yeah, I got. I'm coming. I'm coming. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. And that started out that that trend of me just stopping caring. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the medical field. I had access to a medical closet. Uh-huh. So a lot of times my dude would hit me up. Hey, man, can you get any needles? Oh, shit. And things like that. And so I would trade oh. needles for uh, oh, shit. And I did terrible things because of that. Now, it, you know, they're overstocked. It wasn't like a little mom and pop spot, but mm-hmm. it was still not good. Yeah. Um, and I can thank God say this, that that was the worst I did as far as like my job and me stealing from them was just needles, needles and tourniquets. They don't need those. We use those all day, every day. Yeah. We have 57 boxes of them. We're okay. If if one goes missing. Yeah. And, uh, that was how I rationalized it was, you know, this isn't super important. Yeah. And you know, we, we make stupid mistakes in that. Yeah. Um, one of the other dumb things I used to do was I would fix people's weapons up from where I worked with small arms and ammunition oh, in the military. Okay, for sure. Whenever people would hit me up and they're like, hey, man, can you work on thus and such and make it full auto? Or can you do mm-hmm. this and, you know, make it so, you know, there's no stock on anymore mm-hmm. and safely do it? Mm-hmm. Um, they would call me up all the time and they make deals with me. Like, hey, I'll give you this much yeah. if you do this for me. And I'm like, all right, cool. So yeah. that's how I fed my addiction for a long wow. time. Wow was just doing these terrible, yeah. terrible deals yeah, yeah. with these not-so-great people. Yeah, yeah. They didn't um, have the best intentions. No, 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 no. It's, it's why do you need a fully automatic? You, how many deer are you hunting? Yeah, you how know? many deer? Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Like, it's a whole herd, promise you. Because, <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I was a hunter, like, back home. Mm-hmm. Like, I would hunt. I did fishing. I did all the classic country boy things mm-hmm. that you can think of, like, my backyard, if I walked 10 feet out whenever I lived on my own, I was in the woods. <laughs> like, it was it, the joke of my friends used to be, hey, you can just open your sliding glass door and you can go hunting. I'm like, yeah, 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 I could. But we're not doing that, though. That's real loud. <laughs> but um, I would do that kind of stuff. And that's what got me into started getting me on radar. So I didn't want to be on. Mm. Um because, you know, I am a veteran. Yeah. I am working in the medical field at the time. Yeah. And I'm also doing an obscene amount of drugs all the time, whether it be heroin, cocaine, drinking at the bar. Yeah. I was a blackouter. Like, yeah. That was my goal. Every time that I went out was, okay, I need to drink more. Because the way my, me and my friends, all of them would drink and do drugs, was do as much as you can <laughs> right now before the guy next to you beat you and drinks more. Because mm. um, we'd all bring like 30 racks of Miller Lite while, yeah. while doing blow, and then I would disappear because I was the weird one that did heroin. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You on the low. <laughs> yeah, the rest of my friends are doing cocaine and drinking, and then I'm just like, I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go use the bathroom real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they come back out, and all of a sudden, Nate went from really, really high up there to like real calm. Oh, relaxing. <laughs> you know, everything's great. Yeah. And uh, none of my friends really put it together very quickly because oh well they were probably high and, oh yeah, hell yeah you know what I mean? they were, yeah they weren't paying attention no 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 like th- these these kind of friends and i say that loosely um 
they'd give themselves GHB. <laughs> like they weren't the brightest bunch. Like it's like, okay, this is what you're okay. Gotcha. That's what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They said it's stronger than this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I bet you it is. Just don't drink on it. You won't wake up. <laughs> like, and, uh, but those are the kind of people I pout around with. Yeah. And, uh, I did really good there for a while. I, I met a woman during all that too. That was mm-hmm. my, uh, my ex fiance now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, still, think so highly of this woman i don't uh-huh. know anybody else that would have put up with all the crap that i put them through and still like reach out to me occasionally wow um because during from the 2010 ish mm-hmm. area all the way up to 2017 she was a person that was in my life oh, okay and um she stuck with me through me getting out of the military she stuck with me through uh, my drug addiction. Mm. I tried so hard to get me help. Didn't realize that I was an addict for the longest time because she was a normie. Mm-hmm. Um, barely drank anything along those lines. Okay. Like it, it was hilarious because I can still remember the like she smoked weed with me a handful of times. Mm. And one of the times really sticks out because she would ask for a water. I'd bring her a water bottle. Okay. And then at one point I looked at the table and there's like 20 water bottles. I'm like, honey, uh, you drank any of those she's like i've taken a sip but then it gets warm like oh okay so (laughs) and that was after smoking like half of a joint oh so that'll put you in you know her half a joint is my like fucking gram and a half yeah yeah (laughs) at a time yes and um she never caught on she just thought i was a hardcore alcoholic till i overdosed (laughs) in front of her on valentine's day oh great (laughs) Yeah, yeah very romantic oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> and down we go yeah and uh yeah she was made i still remember that because I, I ended up working with the cmt years later yeah but uh i went down while she was making heart-shaped burgers in the kitchen and yeah. we we lived in <laughs> we lived in this horrible horrible duplex where yeah. the counter was held up by a two by four <laughs> yeah and awesome. I, I took out the two by four on the way down the Burgers oh, the counter just fell right now. Counter fell, oh. hot grease all over my chest. I'm down and out. I don't remember any of that. And I wake up to my mom, Fran, my ex, my ex, mm-hmm. and two EMTs, one who I will affectionately refer to as Fat Jesus. And because I thought I was dead, and this man had long hair, and big guy. And you this, already crossed the other side. And Man, you're heavier than I thought you would be. <laughs> wow, Jesus. You put on some pounds, buddy. <laughs> Heaven's been good to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember looking up and seeing him with the light in the background and going, oh, shit, I fucked up. Because my mom's there. Yeah. My ex's fiance's there. There are two EMTs. Yeah. And I can hear my landlord out front because he lives below me. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. <laughs> but... um. You know, I'm sitting there talking to everybody, and they're like, yeah, we had the Narcan you three times to wake you up. I'm like, oh, great. Oh, shit. And my mom, being an RN, um, looked and said, you used Narcan? And they said, yeah. And my mom looked down at me. and then Oh, so she knows exactly what's she up. She knew exactly what was up immediately. Yeah. Because, you know, she she's a nurse. She's a, yeah, in the <laughs> like, field, yeah. No. But my ex-fiance, God love her. But she didn't know what the, any of that fucking yeah, meant. Yeah. <laughs> so she's sitting there just going, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is, is that like an anti-alcohol thing? Cause yeah. I know, cause I had gone in for a routine procedure that day, which is what took me out mm. was they put me under, under anesthesia. Then I went home and did a shot. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. So she kind of was thinking that keep was that. Keep going. Keep that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> she just thought it's from where I, I had a shot while I still had anesthesia mm. in my system. So gotcha, she's gotcha. being the happy go lucky girl that I always mm. knew. And my mom's just looking at me going, I don't know what the fuck you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I know what's up. <laughs> yeah, I know what's up. And I still remember my mom lived two blocks from where we lived. Yeah. And with my dad, of course. But my mom was watching my niece, who was a little kid at mm-hmm. the time. And she, Fran called her and said, Nathaniel is out cold on the floor and his lips are turning blue. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. Shit. And my mom's one that did CPR on me mm-hmm. until EMTs got there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fran was out in the car at first mm-hmm. with my niece. And then my sister arrived on scene and watched my niece out in the car, uh, but didn't want to leave because she didn't know what was going on with me. No one knew what was going on with me. They assumed that, you know, I had had a heart attack or mm-hmm. something else had happened that was more akin to alcohol rather than drugs. Yeah. Um, I, it's better to be known as an alcoholic than I think than a, yeah, a heroin addict. It, it is so much more socially acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> you just like to have a few too many. Uh, I just like to have a few shots. What kind of shots? Don't ask. <laughs> but um, that was the kind of stuff. And, and it yeah. is the like we West Virginia is that border of north and south. And oh, OK. So. Oh, you're in West Virginia. Yeah. We- oh, West Virginia. Oh. Not Virginia. Yeah, they're different. I, very, I very that. different. I learned that. Uh, <laughs> the biggest difference I can say is we're the only state that when you think of Appalachia, there's only one state that is completely in the Appalachian region, and that is West Virginia. Oh. We're the only one. Everything else is just partial. Like There's a little bit of Maryland and a little oh. bit of Pennsylvania, a little bit of Tennessee, a little bit of Virginia. Only West Virginia is completely in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, no. It's the only one. Wow. Yeah, so because of that, whenever I hear people talk about moonshiners, like, you're talking about my people. <laughs> like, that's where that comes from. It ain't, it ain't just Tennessee whiskey. Like, yeah. We actually have springs where that's all people still do because in my state, you can still legally make moonshine for yourself. You can't sell it, but okay. you can make it. For yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. No one ever just makes it for themselves. But yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I'll long totally as you're not selling it, you're good. But um, yeah. That, that so alcohol is very much accepted. Not in my family because mm-hmm. my mom and dad don't drink. They don't smoke cigarettes. They don't wow. do drugs. Nothing. My mom's a nurse. My dad's a teacher. Mm. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't need it. it, it it's it, there's always been the joke of there's four professions in my family: nurse, teacher, soldier, preacher. Those are your options. <laughs> and uh, the running joke was, and Nate's done all of them. I'm like, yeah, I guess I have. That's awesome. <laughs> Love my life. You're and, a real West Virginia boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that, uh, that led to um, questions that led to my first attempt at rehab, like okay. a month after that. Uh, which failed because uh, mm-hmm. the first rehab I went to was in the same city that I used in mm-hmm. across the street where I could, there's a, the, I, um, not I 60 route 60. Uh-huh. And then across from route 60 is the flood wall for the guy in dot river. 
And then across that flood wall, I could see the top of my dealer's house <laughs> from the window I was getting detoxed oh, great. in, knowing that I had $300 behind the nurse's station. Ooh. So that lasted the weekend. Then, um, <laughs> That's impressive. Uh, yeah, I, I, I lasted until they did groups. And uh, <laughs> then they were like, everybody come in here. And they're like, hey, you're never going to get sober if you don't go to groups. And I fucking cuss that man out so bad <laughs> i said i will get sober my fucking own you know just yeah. all the stupid things we say yeah, of course and uh went to nurse station checked out AMA, <laughs> and then just meandered on across mm-hmm. the the this uh, route 60 made yeah. it over to guy and yeah yeah, yeah. Said, hey man <laughs> said, how come you didn't call me phone ain't working but i'm here <laughs> you got something and you know by the time i ended up back at my house which was across town Okay. Uh, which isn't like San Diego, thank God. It was only a 45-minute walk. Okay. But um, by the time I got home, they'd already been informed that I had AMA'd. No one knew where I was. Uh, my phone wasn't on. Yeah. And no one could find me because I knew that they'd put a tracker, that uh, Laugh360 app. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'd put in that app on my phone while when I went to oh, detox no to make sure that they're like, yeah, you're going to stay there. Mm. If your phone's off, though, it doesn't work. Okay. So, oh, good to know. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't use that one. But uh, that, that was one of those moments where um, when Fran saw me, she cried. Mm-hmm. And I could tell, oh, this is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, can, I can already see this is, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. And me and her made it work for another like year and a half. And then it came to a head when um, she hit me with a frying pan. And for half a second, I can't even stress that enough, for half a second, I fucked up. And I reached out and grabbed her by the neck and then Uh let go instantly after Uh she hit me with a frying pan. Uh And she left, like, within two days. And I don't blame the woman. Like, I would leave, too. You've got a drug addict that's an alcoholic that just did an unspeakable thing. And... That is something I still have to live with every day is mm-hmm. that I turned this sweet, loving, caring human being that stuck with me through and through yeah. into someone that hates me, but still talks to me these days every now and again. Not very often. Yeah. But yeah, just to check in. Yeah, just to check in. And when I made my amends with her, oh, my God, I cried like a baby. The entire time. <laughs> I bet. Because that was the, the only real hardcore thing that I can say that I can remember clearly that really made me think, oh, you've crossed that line. You're a piece of shit now. Yeah. And within three months, I was, like, she left. Mm-hmm. Within a month, I was homeless. Mm-hmm. Within two months after that, it was winter in West Virginia. Oh, Jesus. When I was homeless. Doesn't sound good. I was a bad country song. I was living in my truck with my dog. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was homeless. I was living on the in the riverfront in the Ohio River Valley, okay. which if anybody knows that, it, it's... Old. Okay. Like we're it's talking, how, it's, it sounds like to go. Oh, like we're talking 20s and below oh, all the time. Oh, God. And uh, did that for a hot minute and uh, then finally reached out to my mom and said, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I need help. And I need help, like, from you, not from an institution. It's not going to work if it's an institution. And she did. She, <laughs> <laughs> she helped all right. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry about that. No worries, man. Um, so I went over to my mom's. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into the, they have a finished attic at my parents' house. They've lived in the same house yeah. my entire life. <laughs> and I got locked in that attic uh-huh. uh, with a bed, toilet, uh-huh. and a small little like kitchenette style setup. Mm-hmm. 
and, <laughs> and left there. And, uh, and I detoxed in my mom and dad's house. That's, oh, that's cool. how I got off of it the first time. Oh, and, shit. Uh, my brother came by with a big bag of shake. I was like, smoke this, because I was, I was vomiting. I couldn't keep anything mm-hmm. down. So my brother, being the saint that he is, brought me some weed, brought yeah. me some whiskey, and said, just roll with it. Roll yeah. through this. Get through this. Yeah. And because that was socially acceptable. Marijuana and liquor, that's yeah, fine, yeah, as yeah. long as you're not doing hard drugs. Right, right. Well, it just started off a whole new thing. Mm. I just traded addictions. Yeah. Um, I went from being this hardcore pill head like heroin loving mm-hmm. guy to I'd always drank but now that's solely what I did mm-hmm. and it went from a liter it went from a pint to a fifth to a liter to a half gallon to a gallon really quickly daily Jesus really yeah because oh I, I wanted to be on that same level that I was on when I was on opiates yeah, just chasing that and the only way you can really do that with alcohol is just to continuously and constantly drink. Yeah. And so I just traded. I went from one substance to another. And at the same time, I'm still working in the medical field at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working Alzheimer's dementia care the entire time that I was doing like hard drugs. Then I went from doing that to, ironically, working in a mental health institution on a forensic psychological. <laughs> oh, Jesus, unit. really? Yeah, I went from working with <laughs> old crazy people to working with criminally crazy people. Oh, fuck yeah. And uh, you have to be on your A game (laughs) when you work with forensic patients (laughs) because they are rapists, murderers, arsonists. Some of the... The Most extreme cases. Yeah, and they're the ones that they don't go to jail because they're crazy, so they come to you. And it's Uh, not the socially acceptable way of saying that, but... mm. No, no, no. I yeah, mean, I know exactly where you're coming from. Huh? It, it's it's one of those things where you like you 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 feel bad until, like, you read profiles because you have to read everybody's profile. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! So I read some stuff that you know HIPAA can't repeat any of it. Of course, but there's I read some things that even the most hardcore person on the planet, if they had any kind of heart at all, if they read some of that stuff, they would vomit like almost immediately because. It's just terrible things that people do to each other. Yeah. And that just fed my little inner thoughts of, okay, let's not think about that ever, and let's just get uh. blackout drunk all the time yeah. when we're not working, um, mm-hmm. which led to me getting stabbed at one point because I was hungover at work, mm-hmm. and I wasn't paying attention. And one of the people that worked with me beforehand had left a pen out, patient oh. had grabbed and held on to the pen, and he was convinced that I was in a biker gang. Uh, you're in a biker gang? Yeah, he was. He you was, give him no vibes about that, by the way. He was absolutely and completely and utterly convinced because I had long hippie hair. Uh-huh. It was past my shoulders. I had a beard. I looked like I looked like Gandalf the, the brown. <laughs> and I had this long beard, long hair, uh, no visible tattoos because uh-huh. that didn't start happening until recently. Okay. And, but he was just convinced because he had a, a, a TBI, traumatic brain injury. And okay. so he, this patient was watching me, and he saw me get off a motorcycle a few times outside. Oh, okay. So that okay. So okay, with that all these things in order, okay, he was convinced that I'm, 
I'm, he's out to get me. He's yeah. going to hurt me. Yeah. And then uh, he stabbed me with a pen. Fuck, <laughs> dude. Um, and it was because oh. I wasn't paying attention. I was doing a one-on-one with a different patient. So my eyes had to be locked on this other <laughs> Jesus guy. Jesus Christ. And my head wasn't on a swivel. I thought my other guy at the apex of the hall was watching my back. He wasn't. He was on his phone. Dick. Um, which, <laughs> which led to my hardcore uh, view on, did you leave your phone in your pocket if you're doing a one-to-one in front of me? <sighs> I don't feel like getting hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> but I got I got stabbed. I got sent to the ER to oh, get patched shit. up, which led to me getting a job in the ER. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> getting stabbed from your job. Like, maybe I should get it on. Maybe that's I a need pretty, a new job. A new job. I really like what these guys do. Let me talk yeah, to one yeah, of them. Yeah. And I talked to some of them. They're like, actually, yeah, we're we're looking at hiring oh. um some CNAs and oh. MHTs and BHTs, which I had the background in all of that oh. at that point. Nice. Um, so I got hired in the ER, uh-huh. which just, you know, I was I was on my A game. I was at my dream job. I was happy. I yeah. was working night shifts. No stabbing? No. Well, yes and no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, no, no stabbings, <laughs> but I did get, I got beat on a lot in the ER. Oh, um, really? Oh, violence against nursing staff in ERs and ICUs really? is extremely high. Oh, no, you sure. got to remember, you've got mental health patients coming in that are coming in, coming off of a meth run. You've got mm. violent criminals that have just now been brought in by the police that are only locked to the bed by one arm. You've got a lot of people that are on substances that mm. do not realize what they're going on. And sometimes you have the sweet little grandma who has a UTI who now has the strength of a freaking trucker. <laughs> and and they are not happy with being there, and they, they're confused. Yeah. So that's the one thing you have to remember is these patients – aren't trying to hurt you. They just don't know what's going on. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, when I started working in the ER, I was the guy that helped out with patients that were like that, that, that I would get called all the time. Cause I was very good at de-escalation tactics. Okay. Having worked in Alzheimer's and dementia and having worked, um, home health care with an Alzheimer's patient and working with forensic patients, I was really good at talking people off of that. Hey, Come on, buddy. You don't yeah. need to hurt anybody. You can just talk to me. Yeah. I got a Snickers bar. Yeah. I can get some apple juice. We'll sit and talk. Yeah. Do you want a cigarette? We can go smoke a cigarette. You know, I was one of those guys. Gotcha. The the voice of reason in a room of madness. Mm-hmm. And it, you always have like this like mellow tone to you. Mm-hmm. you know? it, yeah, it, it's it's been a, a really good quality that I've had for a very long time. I'm very mellow outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> at work, I'm kind of a jerk because uh, yeah. I. I you know, I'm in a leadership position, so one of my jobs is to make sure other people are doing their jobs while still doing my job. Of course. So it's a little different there, but outside of work, I'm, I try to be the a very approachable person mm-hmm. that anybody that sees me can just come up and talk to me about anything you want to. Uh, and I'm really not going to judge because I've known people all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got friends that own companies, and I got friends that are still serving 10 to 20. Yeah. So, like... I get it. (laughs) I fit somewhere in this gray area in the middle. Like just pinpoint me here and I'm good to go. Right. (laughs) But uh, while working in the ER, um, I saw people that had attempted to commit suicide Mm -hmm. uh, that had blasted off the front of their face. I had seen um, people have, you'd be amazed what people come into the ER with uh, as far as like funny things. Uh, I've seen people with, Things stuck in things that shouldn't be there. Um, it's the polite way of putting that one. Okay. Um, I've also seen um, homicides, stabbings, uh, crush injuries due to car wrecks. Mm. Um, 
don't know if you know what degloving is, but I've seen a lot of that. Degloving, no, I'm not familiar. Uh, degloving, um, when it comes to a person, is let's say that you get your hands stuck uh-huh. in like a fish cleaner for an industrial plant, and okay. it just takes off the top layer of your skin, oh, but in its entirety. That's what a degloving is. Down to the bone? No, 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 just the top layer, so that all of your muscle and sinews and everything is visible. Oh. So it'd be like just if you flayed somebody yeah if you've watched uh game of thrones it's what ramsey bolton does oh yeah oh the flayed man yes that, that, that's degloving i guess uh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. but flayed. i've seen a lot of those um, jesus i uh yeah the the one that because while i was working in the er i went to rehab again for alcoholism mm-hmm. and i thought i was good because i did um, a five-month program mm-hmm. and then stayed for another two months and then lasted another two months mm-hmm. sober. So I made it all together nine months sober that time around. And then I had one of the, the worst things I'd seen um, myself because I worked in a cardiac and uh, stroke was our main focuses mm-hmm. at the ER I worked at. And our sister ER worked with pediatric and burn victims but we were the ones that a lot of the trauma came to because they were union we weren't we got screwed (laughs) um i didn't mind too much because it kept us busy but um we had a kid that got shot by his little brother by accident they were playing with a firearm Mm -hmm. and uh he got shot through the spleen into the heart and Mm -hmm. wedged itself in his sternum after losing momentum which i'd never heard of happening before Mm. so I saw the entrance wound. I'm in there. You know, I'm low level. I'm low level guy at this point. I'm an ER uh, tech. Yeah. And I'm doing everything I can. I'm putting EKG leads on him. We're doing chest compressions because his heart keeps stopping. We're trying to figure out what's going on. The kid's like 16, 17. And um, we worked on him for an hour and a half. And we couldn't figure out why he kept coding. And they're doing an ultrasound because you can use ultrasound besides just pregnancies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, they used an ultrasound and they realized that, oh, he has a dime-sized hole in his heart. The only thing we're really doing is keeping his heart beating long enough for it to stop again. Mm -hmm. And they tell the family. And uh, the kid died. And I stepped out. I was... We had extra scrubs and stuff in the back and a decontamination shower. So I dressed down I go into the back. I get into another pair of scrubs after scrubbing off everything. Mm -hmm. And I get back to the nurse's station and I'm told, hey, um, the kid, the little brother, uh, he's being seen as a patient now. Um, Because the way those holds work is one of us sits with you while psychiatric services come in and talk to you. Mm -hmm. And I know the kid saw me um, go into the room with his brother, then come out in blood. And then yeah. come back out in different scrubs. Yeah. And now that same man, me, is sitting in front of your door while you're bawling your eyes out and none of your family's around you because you're all dealing with the loss of the other brother that mm. this little brother just caused. Yeah. And um, I sat with that kid for four hours. Oh, shit. And talked to him and held him while he cried and did everything I could to keep it together myself. And the moment that I got relief, I stood up walked outside, walked past the family and all the friends that are still crying, mm-hmm. made it to my truck and started bawling, yeah. like just crying. 
because I'd seen a lot of trauma. It didn't really affect me. Um, that one did. Mm. That was a kid. Kids always hit home. It always sucks. Yeah. And um, I sat in my truck. I called my counselor because at that point I was out of my former rehab. Mm. Called him. He didn't answer. Mm. He was in Kentucky. I was in West Virginia. Mm. He didn't answer. So I was like, all right, that's a sign. Fuck it. I'm going to go drink. And <laughs> shit. I made it to my liquor store. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, where you been? You know, it was like a long time friend. Long time friend. Yeah. And uh, I grabbed a half gallon of Beams 8 Star. Cheap, 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 cheap mm. shit. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. went to my favorite bar where my favorite bartender was there. I will call her L. Mm-hmm. Um, L saw me walk in. Uh-huh. She's like, where you been? Yeah. Like, got sober. She's like, all right, where's your chip? I had my nine month chip. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I put that on the put counter. That down. Here you go. And she said, nine free drinks. Wow. Because it was one of those kind of bars where if you broke oh, your. Oh, God. Yeah. You break your sobriety and then they're, they're going to fill you up with drinks. Wow. Went, I heard about that. Yeah. They're all over the place. And it just so happened that my regular bar was one of those bars. I didn't know that up until that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I got white girl wasted because <laughs> I hadn't drank in so long. Like, this is fucking great. <laughs> and uh, I was back out in the madness for another six, seven months before I finally was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm ruining my life all over again. Mm-hmm. I'm breaking every promise that I made to myself and to people around me. And uh, I woke up one day, vomited blood. Um, and uh, I made a phone call to my my dad this time. My mom's wanted to me rehab the first time in Kentucky. She drove me to Kentucky. <laughs> she's like, I've been waiting on this phone call for months. Ooh, all excited. Like, yeah, she's all happy, and I'm like dying yeah. in the corner. <laughs> yeah. And this time I called my dad because my mom was out of town. And my dad was like, yeah, I'm on my way. I, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I live 45 minutes away from where I worked, which is the same city that they lived in. Mm-hmm. I lived out in the sticks. Mm-hmm. And my dad got there in 15 minutes. Whoa. 15 minutes. That's not all it's taking. He, he, he said, I got here. I drove 110 miles per hour. And my dad is not one of those kind of people. Wow. <laughs> He's just not. But he got there fast. Came Fuck inside yeah. the apartment, saw the red vomit and mm-hmm. the brown vomit on the floor. Yeah. Realized that, oh, that's blood. My dad is... Got a weak stomach. I love him to death, but he, he, if he sees it, he's gonna pee. <laughs> Adds more vomit to it. <laughs> <laughs> one of those moments, and uh, so he looks at that, sees how bad it is, uh-huh. and then goes, "Okay, um, do you need anything?" I was like, "I need clothes," and he's like, "Okay, we'll deal with that later. Get get out in the car." <clears throat> and my dad, being the kind of person he is, just gets me in the car. Yeah, he he couldn't help it. He was I didn't know what he was doing, but for another twenty minutes, he was just cleaning like the little bits of stuff that I had done mm-hmm. inside the house mm-hmm. of the best of visibility. Sure. And then going back out of the car to get me. Uh-huh. And then we drove back home. I made a phone call. I thought it was to the same people in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Nope. It was for a place out in Marietta, California. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Way out. Oh yeah. The, the way in left field. I called them and they said, yeah, this is one of the best. Re- oh, I cannot remember his name. But he sounded like this. He's like, yeah, we're going to get you right back out over here into Marietta. And every, they've got one of the best facilities in the entire nation. We're going to be just fine. You're going to do great. Mm. Uh, we'll take good care of you. You're going to be just good. I mm. promise you. You'll make it through this. Just make it a couple days, and yeah. we'll get you on a plane, and we'll fly out here. Yeah. And uh, they did. They paid for my plane ticket. 
Fuck, seriously? To, to come out to Marietta, California to go into detox. And um, I was in a house with five other people. And I was the youngest one in the house. Keep in mind, I'm 34. I'm not that old. You're not that old at all. And, but I was the youngest guy in the house. Everybody wow. else was 60 to like, I think the next youngest person was 42. Okay. But so I'm with a bunch the... of like old dads. And then, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> like, and there's all these old dads and stuff. And then there's me. I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm hallucinating from withdrawal. <laughs> Sorry, but when they drug tested me um, at the detox, I thought I had just alcohol and marijuana in my system. Uh-huh. Nope, at alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, fentanyl, like just what? Uh, yeah, I I still apparently drunk Nathaniel loved drugs as much as oh great yeah druggy Nathaniel. Yeah, <laughs> I was blacked out so often that I didn't realize that the shit that I was doing <laughs> shit, yeah, had all the rest of this stuff in it because I oh, know nice. I knew I did cocaine a couple of times. Yeah. I had no clue it was laced with anything. And uh, from I where you, I was, I, I weighed almost 300 pounds. Oh, no so, shit. Yeah. I weigh like 234 now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's amazing what happens when you quit drinking and <laughs> eating like crap all the time. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. But uh, That's awesome. When I went out to Marietta, um, they helped me out a lot. And they led me to boardwalk recovery. And oh, so this is all pretty uh, recently then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're I'm coming into... up on a year on the 7th of March. The 7th? Yeah, the 7th. Oh. So we're almost there. March 5th for me. Ah, very yeah. nice, very nice. 11. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I will get there, sir. Uh, I will, will sir. get there. Yes, um, you will, dude. But that led up to the last almost year of stuff that I've been doing now. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I've gotten to the point where I've got kind of two sponsors one for sure one kind of oh yeah i mean um, that's that's fine i've worked through all 12 steps um i'm pretty well known among the groups that i go to like yeah. I, I, most of the guys in ha know me mm-hmm. um at least in the groups that i go to yeah yeah, yeah 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 and most of the pbaa community knows me pretty well too mm-hmm. at least they know me as nate from west virginia like that, <laughs> if i hear that one more time i'm gonna uh, go nuts but I, I hear it. we 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 love our uh what do you call it our transplants <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah and uh but one of the things i get asked about all the time from my friends back home is are you coming back and oh, no shit honestly god um i love west virginia i love home mm-hmm. um but one of the things that's really helped me was getting away from everything yeah the geographical yeah and they always say you know you take you wherever you go and that is very true you do take you wherever you go absolutely but triggering memories can happen still oh, and yeah. some of those big ones is just driving by house like oh yeah i overdosed in there Oh yeah, I used to get fucked up with those guys. Yeah, I wonder what happened. Oh yeah, they're all dead now. You know, just going yeah. through all those old memories. And uh, the blessing and curse of ADHD is object permeance. And I have ADHD hardcore. I don't know if you can tell by the, my storytelling. We're gonna go here now, here now, here. But uh, <laughs> object permeance is a big thing with ADHD people. So if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And if I don't think about it, it doesn't exist. Mm. So it's a blessing and a curse. Because mm. on the one hand, if I'm not actively thinking about all of the shitty things I used to do, it does not bother me. The moment those floodgates open, though. Yeah. Um, I hit a wall. It's I hit like a depression. Tidal wave. Just, it just 
all the time. And so it's um, a good thing that I have a lot of people that I can call on. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things in my recovery is that's one of the reasons I don't want to leave is I've made good friends like yourself mm-hmm. and a lot of the other guys that we mutually hang out with yeah. in the rooms and a lot of the girls that we hang out with in yeah. the rooms. Um, a couple of them have been on your show even. Yeah, yeah. But um, those are the kind of people that I reach out to like on my really bad days when, you know, a patient dies at work or yeah. um, it's the anniversary of like Valentine's Day when I overdosed. Yeah. That, yeah. I called so many people. <laughs> like, I'm so sad. It's like, it's because you're single? No, but thank you for reminding <laughs> that, me. Thank you for reminding me that, but there's more. <laughs> but, you know, I reach out to people and that's a, a big part of my recovery process yeah. is not isolating myself anymore, reaching out to people. Yeah. And when I am in a point of isolation, because I work night shifts, so yeah. I'm isolated a lot on my days off just because of my sleep cycle. I, like I'll be awake until four, five, six in the morning. Mm. And that's just when I'm supposed to be awake anyways. So, yeah. and during those times uh, you are isolated. So I picked up hobbies like painting and making jewelry and mm. writing poetry and writing short stories nice. and things that will, when I can't reach out or when it's not really cool to reach out because mm. it's too late. Um, and you know, I'm not telling people don't reach out when you need to, but yeah. I, I've got this, this internal thing. It's like, Oh, it is two o'clock in the morning. Don't you dare call somebody that you know, works at 7am. <laughs> How would you feel? And like, it's yeah. one of those moments for me. Okay, now, gotcha, if, gotcha. if you're having a real shitty day, fuck yeah, I'm still going to reach out to you. Like <laughs> if I am sitting in front of a liquor store and like, it's either I make this call or yeah. I go drink, I'm calling somebody. Fuck yeah. But, um, I do that a lot. I may have 11 months and some change, and I'm about to hit my, my year. Fuck but, yeah, dude. Um, Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> I just started learning to do this. That's awesome. Um, but I may only have this short period of time, but I've had, oh, God, since I was, if we're counting my first overdose since I was 10, and if we're counting when I started using regularly since I was 12, mm-hmm. I'm 34 years old now. So I've had over 20 years. of running and drugging and doing all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. Um, Even though a couple of my best character traits are, I like to help people. Yeah. Like that is what keeps me going. If I wanted a better job that paid more, I would not work in healthcare. (laughs) Amen, brother. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, but I enjoy helping people. If I wanted to go back and make as much money as I wanted to, I'd fall back on my weapon specialty. And yeah. work on weapons because that pays so much better. But I do not like that old part of me. Yeah. I would rather spend my time working with patients that need help. Mm. Like, because that's a good feeling at the end of the day. Like, yeah. you get to see people get better and go home. Yeah. And mine may be physical rehabilitation. And I still work with a lot of addicts, a lot of alcoholics, mm. and make sure that they get to the places they want to go yeah. and need to go in Fuck order yeah. to feel like themselves. Fuck yeah. And um, acts of service are a real big thing. Like uh, oh, yeah. one of the things that I do, and it, it, you know, it just started off with just the fact that my nursing home needed clothes. Oh, yes. But, Your announcements. Yeah, yeah. Like I donate clothes to my nursing home and to five other facilities. I also donate clothes to people down at the border mm. that are affected by violence and seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that just because some of my patients were cold. Some of my patients needed clothes so they could Mm. do PT. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they come directly from the hospital and they have nothing. Yeah. So 
I started doing it for that reason. And now it's just become the, okay, I'm just the clothes guy. <laughs> like, uh, but that's fucking rad, dude. I, I love that you do that. Yeah. It, it helps out a lot of people. And so I just, that's how I take up my time is to make sure that when I have downtime, I can help other people. And my mom said it the best. You were built to help other people. That's mm. why you are the way you are. Mm. Um, and I come by honest. That's how my mom and dad both are. My dad will go out of his way to help a student. My mom will go out of her way to make sure a patient feels welcome mm. or that uh, another coworker feels like they know all the information they need. Yeah. And um, all of the things that have happened in my life have led me up to a point where I have this awesome understanding of people mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been a veteran. I've also been a shitbag criminal. I've been mm-hmm. a shitbag uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been um, a hardcore drug user. Mm-hmm. I've been an alcoholic. I've worked in healthcare. I've seen um, suicide both in a medical setting and in my personal life with friends having walked into yeah. different things like yeah. that. And yeah. so it gives me a lot of sympathy and empathy mm-hmm. for other, hum- other human beings. It yeah. doesn't matter how bad you think you are. Like, I promise you, I probably know something that's worse or on the same level and yeah i still love you either way Mm. like i feel like if you can just show a little compassion it goes a long long way and that's how i try to go with everybody in my life i don't care about your past who are you now Mm. and uh that applies pretty generally and liberally in my in Mm -hmm. my mind for Mm -hmm. most people and I think it's a good way of living. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Cause if there's, if I can bring a smile to one person's face in a day. Yeah. That's better than I was yesterday. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's what they show. That's what they show us, you know, when we're in our road to recovery. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, dude. Cause if I didn't have some of the guys that led the way when I, you know, your brain's all mushy and you, you don't know what's left, right, front, yeah. center. Yeah. But I didn't have some of the guys like yourself, yeah. and you know, um, I don't want to name drop a bunch of no, people, that's fine. but you know, uh, you know the guys I yeah, hang yeah. out with in the room. Yeah, if yeah. I didn't have those dudes, yeah, I had have been lost in the sauce <laughs> long ago, like just <laughs> filled with resentment, yeah. filled with anger, and yeah. just went, well, no, this word, you know, yeah. just walk yeah. away, yeah, and then the probably end up on a t-shirt. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't like being on t-shirts, so yeah, yeah, we'll keep this. Yes. bearded mug off of there <laughs> and uh here with the land of the living where i can do we, the most we, good yeah we love you here man <laughs> well man thank you so much for coming on my podcast dude and i just i just want to personally just thank you and just like i appreciate like your service dude i appreciate you know your service in the military obviously but your service that you do for everyone in the recovery um community and just you know it, it you know, and your, all, your, all your ventures that you've done in your life, man. Like, you're, you know, you're, you're totally like such a, like, um, God, like, oh yeah, like almost like a hippie, like in a way. And, and, but you know, like it, it's so fucking cool, man, that, you know, um, you, 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 you know what I mean? You live that life and, and you, 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 you made something out of it, man. And you know what I mean? Like, like, I just, I really fucking admire it. You know what I mean? I really do. Like, man, it's it's fucking awesome, dude. And fuck yeah, dude. March seventh, dude. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) coming up soon. And best part is, uh, 
my mom, my dad, and my brother will be coming into town. Oh that. fuck yeah, dude! So I get to to hang out with my little brother again and um, see all my family, except for my my nieces and sister and sister in law. But you know they got the family thing going, so I get yeah, it. Sure. But yeah, March seventh, and uh, it's it's gonna be a good week. I, yeah. I can feel it. Oh yeah, brother. All right, man. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, brother. Anytime, my friend. Hell yeah, dude. Whoop whoop. All right. Thank you, everybody.